Blog Talk Radio. The following is a Post Time with Mike and Mike production. Coming up third, Liz Bird up the inside. Rock Diamond, wow! Four of them. Here is Rock Diamond and Mitchell Cushing. They win the gold cup in soccer. It's American history trying to dig in on the outside endeavor. Tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike, with your hosts Mike Carter, number one thousand for the third time, Aaron Merriman wins, and Mike Bozage. Down to the finish, turn in a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley at Apple Bottom Jeans one forty nine and two unbelievable. Yeah, it's another Thursday rendition of Host Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, who uh, hasn't gone crazy just yet. Uh, no racing in Pennsylvania, and Mike uh, Mike has been off. For those who don't know, the racing season at Harris Philly ends in the middle of December, and uh, I'm surprised you haven't gotten kicked out of the house yet, because, uh, you know, before before this whole COVID thing, you were already home. And, uh, you know, I, I know you've got to be going crazy at home. Well, you know, I'll tell you, been walking a lot, actually, doing a lot of walking. And I'll tell you what, there's a couple of things I found out uh, about doing uh, quite a bit of walking around my complex. Number one, we're bumping into each other as we walk outside. There's uh, a lot of people doing the same thing that I am. And uh, number two, we're probably the only uh, people in this apartment complex that don't have a dog. I found that out as well because uh, there's millions of dogs out there, it seems, and and they're all fighting. But, uh, you know, there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel, Mike. I was just uh, doing uh, some reading um, here before the show, and uh, at least in my area, it seems uh, the curve is kind of flattened in Delaware. Uh, things are starting to open up in Delaware and Pennsylvania. Um, you know, New York City, so they're they're uh, starting to be on the decline as far as COVID hospitalizations and deaths. Now, with cases, I don't know. I do expect cases to rise because there's more testing 
But I think what we're finding out, Mike, is there's a lot more people that are actually walking around with this virus that don't get any symptoms at all. And that's kind of the scary part of this whole thing. You know, that, that's the, that is very scary. You know, you, you and I could be walking around with it and just don't know it. And uh, so, you know, it's one of those things that uh, when it decides to mutate, it decides to mutate. So anyways, we got a fantastic, fantastic show coming up. Uh, obviously some questions uh, swirling around whether or not uh, we're wondering, I'm wondering anyway, if the hall of fame will take place in July. Uh, we won't ask Gordon and put Gordon on the uh, spot about that. Cause it's not his, uh, it's not his deal, but what he does know is how people get elected into the hall of fame. Yeah. And that's uh, certainly quite an interesting process. We're going to talk to Gordon about that. Plus Curtis McDonald. We talked Mike over the last couple of weeks about, you know, how this COVID-19 is, uh, if we're looking for the bright side of things, how COVID-19 has spurned a lot of uh, ingenuity, a lot of imagination. We're seeing a lot of things happen on Facebook and Twitter and social media, um, you know, with, with the virtual races, with you guys are doing just a lot of different things that are happening. And one of uh, the people that's making those things happen is Curtis McDonald. So we're going to talk to him uh, about the uh, COSA TV uh, that uh, he certainly played a big, playing a big part of plus, uh, what H what an HD signal does for a racetrack, Mike. And I, I think it's, uh, I think in this day and age, it's, it's almost a must. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. You know, it's one of those things that you want to be able to see what you're watching. If I can't tell that it's the seven horse at the back of the pack, you know, it makes it, uh, it makes it a little tough, especially for me who uh, normally picks horses who finish last. So we'll talk with uh, Curtis. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll talk to Curtis McDonald about that, and then we'll talk to Ashley Tiedrick, the newest director of the mm-hmm. United States Trotting Association. She will take over for the late John Brennan in District 12, and I'm interested to hear uh, what she's got to say. Uh, lots of great things uh, coming up from Ashley. It's great to have her on the board of directors and uh, joining us here at the USTA. Yes, and uh, a little bit of breaking news, Mike. Um, it was on uh, PlayPennsylvania.com uh, that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Commission has formally asked Governor Wolf to open uh, up racing. Um, and I guess Governor Wolf is supposed to make a comment on that tomorrow. So uh, okay. certainly a lot of people, I think, here in the state of Pennsylvania, including yours truly, are uh, waiting to hear what Governor Wolf has to say. But it appears that Governor Wolf, uh, as he mentioned before, is open about the idea, and the letter was actually published, and in that letter it did state uh, the success that some of the thoroughbred tracks have had in their coronavirus practices and that there have been no positives uh, at any of those tracks. So that the, that the fact that it can be done I think is encouraging. I think the fact that a couple of thoroughbred racetracks were allowed to run and – basically show that you know with the proper protocols that we can race safely so um you know i think that's something to build on it's going to be a new normal when racing opens up i don't think mike there's any question about that things are going to be done a lot differently and so forth but uh you know i think we're headed in the right direction and i think that we can put this thing behind us sooner rather than later yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what kind of happens uh, from that standpoint, Mike. And, you know, you're going to have to keep your announcer's booth uh, door locked and not let anybody in for a while. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's a place I know that's uh, a pretty heavy traffic area up at Harris, Philadelphia. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what 
everybody will be allowed and won't be allowed to do, but, uh, you know, we take it one day at a time and go from there. Well, the only person I'll let in my booth is James Weatherwright. Anybody else is going to have to uh, call well in advance and mask up and all that kind of stuff. All right. Gordon Waterstone. You see, by the way, by the way, real quick, and I think we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I do want to give my friend James a little bit of a shout out. You know, he's doing the, uh, the, the bunker thing with the, with the jazz on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, check that out. All right. Gordon Waterstone is in the on deck circle. We'll take a quick timeout and we'll come right back. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post up. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association, gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. To this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by the Hall of Famer himself, Mr. Gordon Waterstone. And Gordon uh, just nominated to the Hall of Fame Screening Committee. And before we delve into the logistics about what goes into selecting somebody for the Hall of Fame, what does this honor mean to you? Well, it is a, a tremendous honor. I mean, I grew up, I, I don't have a break background in harness racing. I grew up as a fan, hanging around the, hanging around the track with buddies from high school on. I remember paying, ha- having to pay an older gentleman to take us into the, 
track because we weren't old enough. We didn't give them the money and say, come on in. So, and uh, I idolized a lot of the, uh, of the racing uh, uh, people, you know, some that got in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I always tell the story. I saw John Campbell race at Windsor Raceway when uh, he was just John Campbell and, and, uh, and didn't know whether he would make it big or not. So to now to be able to, you know, first then to get into the Hall of Fame and now to be able to be part of the process, it's, uh, it's, it's quite an honor. And to, it's, it's a responsibility that there, you know, there's, there are things to take into account when you do it. You just want to do it right, and uh, I think we will. Gordon, Mike Bozich here. Uh, tell us about the process. How does um, one get nominated into the Hall of Fame? And just kind of behind the scenes, uh, what kind of transpires? Well, it's kind of evolved a little bit over the last couple of years uh, to try to tidy it up and uh, make it more efficient. And uh, right now, uh, there is a committee of about I don't know, 10 or 12 people that uh, get together uh, in the spring um, and then uh, find names. There's a there's a I don't know if you want to call it preferred or it might be suggested of, of 20 people that uh, that they uh, prefer. Uh, to be, you know, the chapter should uh, consider because all the nominations come from individual chapters, uh, upstate New York, New York City, there's Ohio, we have a Kentucky chapter, a Keystone chapter for Pennsylvania, Florida, everybody, all the individual chapters meet and uh, the list, uh, and, and this is obviously an abnormal year, I mean, we haven't seen the list of names yet, we're at May 7th. Um, I, I expect to have them at any time now. The chapters will obviously be, all be meeting by email or by the, by the Zoom calls this time around to meet. And after those 20 names, uh, like, like, they, like last year, all the names that came off of it, uh, there was, they replaced it with some new names this year. So I don't know who, who they've suggested. As I said, I haven't seen it. And as soon as we do, I'll be able to set up a meeting on the president of the Kentucky chapter also, so I will set up a conference call uh, meeting, or we can do it by email, depending, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll discuss those 20 names. We will go through. We've done it. We go through all the names and, and pros and cons and, and the ones that are, are possible. We'll look at, uh, and we can select up to two of those names that are on the list. Uh, and we can also... Uh, pick one name that isn't on the list. Uh, our chapter nominated uh, not, uh, Margareta Wallenius Kleberg a couple years ago, who is not on the list, and uh, we submitted her, and the committee at the time uh, agreed with us and put her on the ballot, and she was elected the first woman to go into the Hall of Fame, and so that's how that came about. Uh, she was not on the process, so uh, it, 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 there's a few steps to go, uh, and it's just not like haphazardly done it's just uh uh we we get names we we pick and choose we submit them and then we submit them and they go to the committee which is what i have now been on placed on uh and uh, go ahead mike no you're good now gordon uh let's talk a little bit about how you know people get considered and for the hall of fame obviously you say you get the um the list of 20 names but you know, your chapter goes through all of them. You know, you guys list the pros and the cons. How in-depth are some of those meetings? I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to call it cutthroat arguments, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of opinion. And to narrow 20 down to two isn't an easy process. 
Well, it is. I mean, I can only tell you what our chapter does when we meet. I mean, in, in, in discussions, uh, we, we sometimes we've met in person. Sometimes we've done it by email, depending. Uh, this is a diversified group. Uh, we have farm people uh, in our chapter, so the springtime is breeding time. So sometimes they can't get away to, to meet. So we do the best we can, and we, and we discuss it. I mean, there, there's, you know, we have uh, people that have been in this business a long time. It's a great, great group of of people, uh, you know, that are in this chapter. You know, we have Kathy Parker, Randy Mangus from the sale company, Steve Stewart, and Alan Levitt. Uh, Judy Chafee is a member. They she have a farm in in, uh, in, in Kentucky. Uh, Joe Kyle uh, retired from the magazine. That's uh, has just been uh, nominated to the communicators ballot. Uh, just a, it's just a great group and a very diversified people. So I think that we have some great intelligent conversations. Uh, to determine who, who, who goes on to the ballot and what names we submit. That's how we ended up with Margareta a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, it was discussed. And we 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 nominated. We added her to the mix, and uh, and and she had been overlooked by the committee, but they grabbed her, put her on the ballot, and she was elected. So, uh, and then we'll you know we'll send the names into the uh, to the screening committee. By the and that screening committee, by the way, I'm replacing. It's a six-year term, so people know. I'm replacing Moira Fanning, and and that's you know, it, it's impossible to replace her. I don't care what you know. She's she's Miss Ushua, she's Miss Harness Racing. She's the one of the most uh, respected people I've known, not in just racing in life, and and somebody I look up to. So hard shoes, well, they're big shoes to fill for her. Uh, <laughs> and the, you know, and it's I mean Judy Wilson, they, you know from Delaware, has has been appointed by the. Uh, new president Kim Rinker to be the chairman of this com- committee, so Judy's on there, uh, and also uh, the current members are, are, are uh, Jason Settlemore and Bob Hayden. We also have Tim Bojarski and Steve Wolf. So, and then Kim sits on the committee by proxy as she does on all Ushua committees. And the scenario is we'll meet. Uh, the nomination has to be by June 1st, and then this committee gathers at the Hall of Fame uh, meeting at the morning of the of the Hall of Fame dinner and gets together with the, in advance, and then they'll get together with a, an advisory committee from the Hall of Fame itself to go through the names and possible and, and come up with a ballot. Now, this year, I don't know the scenario, and I'm not going to speculate. I haven't talked to Janet Terhune yet at the Hall of Fame what the plans are, but uh, we're moving along as, uh, as norm and that, that the names will be given out to the chapters. We'll, we'll nominate by June 1st, and then the committee will meet in some fashion. Uh, and, and to determine who goes on the ballot. Now, Gordon, a lot of people don't know or understand uh, what the difference between the Communicators Hall of Fame and the um, regular Hall of Fame is or how that's worked. Explain to us a little bit about the process for the Communicators Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, okay, the Communicators Corner of the Hall of Fame, well, it's not really the corner anymore, just Communicators Hall of Fame. Those are obviously the media members, people that have been involved. Uh, uh, mostly Stan Bergstein is the only person to be uh, inducted in both the Communicators and the regular Hall of Fame, uh, and most deserving. Uh, the Communicators involved with the media, and that's a different process totally. Those are uh, also nominated by the chapters, uh, nominated up to two names, and those names are discussed at the annual Harness Raiders meeting that uh, has been at the Rosen Shingle Creek Resort in Orlando the last uh, three years. And uh, and uh, Michael Carter knows he's been there. Mike Bozich, I wish you could get down there sometime. <laughs> it's, uh, 
it's a great weekend. It's, I mean, we just we stumbled on an unbelievable place. The, the, the dinners have never been in the, in the same venue two years in a row until we got to this place. And it's just, uh, it's, it's extraordinary. It's a five-star resort. We're treated like kings, even though we're actually a small group compared to the place. It's a massive place. Uh, Mr. Mr. Rosen has been gracious to us. I had a chance to meet him the first year we were there, just stumbled onto him. But uh, anyway, we'll meet, uh, we'll, we'll discuss the, the names will be submitted and then uh, voted on at the, uh, at the meeting by the board of directors. I think there's uh, 26 members now of the board of directors. Uh, and uh, a vote on it, and the top two point getters uh, in the system we have installed will advance to the ballot uh, this year. So, looking forward to that. Visiting with Gordon Waters. Yeah, Joe Kyle, my, my, who, who I replaced coming to the Horseman and Farewell, if that's the word to use, uh, uh, another huge shoes to fill, but uh, yeah, he, he was doing some different duties. Joe Kyle is. is, is on the Hall of Fame ballot this year for the Communicators Corner part, and I'm hoping, hoping with fingers crossed that, uh, and I'm sure he will get enough votes to get in. Visiting with Gordon Waterstone, uh, Gordon, real quick before we let you go. Uh, obviously, we've uh, over the last couple of weeks have been asking all of our guests how they've kind of coped with the shutdowns and the stay-at-home orders. How has one Gordon Waterstone been able to hold up through this thing? Well, welcome to my world. I live by myself, so this is, you know, I'm in self-quarantine all the time anyway, so this is really not that much difference for me, I say, no. But uh, I went out and got a cat. You know, Mike, I, I live in an apartment complex like you do. I had a cat that passed away about three years ago at 17, and I didn't replace her. I went to the Humane Society and got a little seven-month-old kitten the day before the Humane Society was ordered to shut down here, and it's like having a, a two-year-old kid in the in the apartment uh, terrorizing me with her claws all hours of the day. It keeps me busy. I haven't been brave enough to put a harness on her to take her for a walk. And you are right; there are a lot of people that have dogs. <laughs> I, I go out there. <laughs> thank, thank, thank goodness my property's got have those uh, uh, things on poles with uh, with doggy bags <laughs> for people to mm-hmm. clean up mm-hmm. after around the place. Otherwise, and I live on a scenic property. I'm doing fine, but I'm still working. I'm a lucky one. You know, we're still we're still open. Uh, we're rotating in days in the office. I come in the office three days a week. Uh, we still have our newsletter that goes out every Thursday afternoon, and it's busy. I mean, it's not, not racing, but there's a lot of stories going on. I just uh, before I talked to you, I I had a nice conversation with Carl Howard, the CEO of Fazoli's, and uh, his impact not only on his restaurant chain, but uh, also, he, you know, he has over 30 horses and his impact. And he started a petition drive in Ohio to send to Governor Mike DeWine. And uh, I talked to Carl, and I'll have that in our newsletter uh, this afternoon. It was a, it was a really enlightening and, and nice conversation. You know, he's got a big company. They have, you know, over 225 stores nationwide. And he still took the time to talk to me about his business and why he started this petition. I, you know, I caught up with Aaron Merriman for this one to see see what he's been doing. Talk about a guy that went from, you know, a, a thousand miles an hour to zero real fast. Uh, you know, that's Aaron. Finally, finally is able to catch up with him to do that. So we're busy. We had a magazine a couple weeks ago uh, that uh, I talked to 12 trainers about the upcoming seasons for the three-year-old trotters and pacers, you know, which, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to see them soon enough. I mean, it was great talking to people. You know, their thoughts about who's better, Tall Dark Stranger or Pappy Rob Hanover. It was an interesting thing. And 
And on the trotting side, will real cool Sam come back and, and be the best? Or how about Amigo Volo? So that was, it was great conversations uh, doing that. And I've also been calling trainers on how some of the returning stars are. So we got plenty to do. We have a great newsletter this afternoon coming out. I mean, it just, it just, it's always late-breaking news, and we're always, we've been adjusting on the fly on a daily basis, Kathy and I, and putting that together. All right, make sure you check that out at HarnessRacing.com. Gordon, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy, and we'll catch up with you real soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Michael. Michael and Mike. Okay. All right, that was the one and only Gordon Waterstone. And uh, I'll tell you what, Gordon, uh, that's that's quite an accomplishment uh, for the last couple of years. Made the Hall of Fame in the Communicators Corner and now named to the screening committee. And, uh, of course, Gordon and I, you know, hey, we – Kind of both got our starts right in Michigan there, right at Hazel Park. Yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of Michiganders uh, with some big roles. I'm surprised you didn't hang up on us, both the Ohio guy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But listen, you know, it's one of those things that um, you know I didn't know how you know the Hall of Fame process worked. This was some really really good information from Gordon about how it worked, the process for selecting them, and then what they do at the Hall of Fame specifically. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you what, don't think some of those Hall of Fame debates don't get heated. Oh, I can I can only imagine what uh, some of those debates look like. You know, why, why isn't this guy in here? Why, what, what happened to him? What this? But yeah, it's uh, but you know, it's it's an intricate process, and like you say, I mean, when you've got a when you've got a narrow down only a couple of people out of the twenty or thirty nominations that you have, I mean, it's you know, it's no easy thing. No, it's uh, it's no easy thing, and it's uh, you know it's it's you know you got to figure out from the list of twenty how to get down to two, and that's why I asked Gordon about that because you know I, I mean it's tough for to get from twenty say down to ten to get down to two, you know there's a lot of deserving people on those lists, and uh, you know I know from voting in the Communicators Hall of Fame balloting, it, it sometimes you know you got to leave somebody off who deserves it, but you know, maybe somebody else deserves a little bit more. That's the hard part about it. Yeah, no question about it. So lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA. Curtis McDonald will be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. Ashley Tietrich, uh, she's in the on-deck circle as well. She is now a USTA director, so we'll talk to her about that very important responsibility. We've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA. Back in just a moment. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Jimmy Freight is new to Ontario in 2020. Jimmy Freight is the richest and fastest son of sports writer and was the O'Brien three-year-old called Pacer of the Year and won multiple stakes at ages two, three, and four. And Jimmy Freight turns on the Jimmy Jet by a length and a half in 148-1. Jimmy Freight at 10-1 to to win the Dayton Pacing Derby. He stands his first season in 2020. For booking information on Jimmy Freight, please visit winbackfarm.com. Limited shares available. Go to winbackfarm.com. 
Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit WinnersCircleRacing.net. That's WinnersCircleRacing.net. Here comes the charging MOA, charging hard at odds of 60 to 1. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, we talked a little bit about how important HD video was, and uh, we're going to talk with Curtis McDonald some about that. Curtis joins us now. And Curtis, uh, obviously lots of great work uh, coming from Cujo Entertainment, from COSA TV to the new HD signal uh, at some of the Ontario racetracks. I'll tell you what, you've been a pretty busy guy over the last couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I have been actually. Well, Curtis, talk to us a little bit about uh, those HD uh, projects. Uh, obviously, you had to help install the new video system at some of the Ontario tracks. Uh, what went into that process, and uh, how difficult was it? Um, well, given my history working with uh, my previous employer, uh, On Track Media and Entertainment, I knew the infrastructure of almost all the tracks, all the B-level tracks at uh, in Ontario. So when Woodbine got the contract to do the installation, they reached out to me because obviously without without having someone who knows the infrastructure, it's, it would have been much more difficult. So I was able to go in and help them lay, figure out where all the cabling went and whatnot. And then uh, after we pulled out all the old equipment, I was helping them install it all. Curtis, Mike Bozich here. Talk to us about, um, and I think Mike Carter kind of asked it, but how difficult it is, like tracks, right? Uh, and there's still some tracks out there uh, that are just racing in a, I don't even know what to call it, a non-HD signal, so to speak. So what is kind of the process of switching over from uh, that kind of signal to uh, an HD setup? Well, it, it fairly difficult depending on the age of the facility um uh, an example would be flamborough downs all of their infrastructure wiring to all of the cameras had to be updated so they had to pull fiber optic cables to the tower cameras in the paddock and and then new cabling throughout the building to get all the signals so that was a large cost right there um and then on top of it you know you have to buy all your switching equipment and cameras and graphics and replays and stuff like that so, so the cabling is the very first thing that anybody has to look at because it's it, it's the way your signal is going to get around. 
Curtis, let's talk a little bit about COSA TV. And I've talked to a couple of people who have been on your show, and they say it's really cool because you can move, you're moving video around, you're producing it, you're doing all this other stuff. Uh, Let's talk about how that kind of came about and uh, what that's like to kind of produce and put on. Well, it it actually comes naturally to me because as part of my business that a lot of people don't know about, uh, I produce live sports, so um, outside of the stuff I'm doing with horse racing, I'm doing OHL hockey games, which in Ontario is the Ontario Hockey League, which is part of the Canadian Hockey League, so it's junior hockey, so I produce some games for uh, a few different teams here in Ontario, and then I do some professional Canadian basketball, and uh been reached out to do some football this fall, but I don't know if that's going to actually happen now, but... Um, so the, the live part of it is very, very easy. It comes naturally to me. So, um, what happened was we were working with COSA TV, uh, or we, we were producing all the COSA TV content. And then as training centers started stopping access to the training centers for non-essential personnel, uh, I reached out to Greg because Greg helps us along the way, uh, a lot. And I said, Greg, what if we tried doing something live? him and I, we, we hooked up and did a quick, you know, very rough-looking demo to one another so he could see what it would, would look like. And, and we just kind of went from there. And, and we had the idea, I would say, on a Wednesday, and there, maybe it was a Monday, and Wednesday was our first show. So it was it was really quick to, to get it up and running. And it is uh, it is certainly a very good show. We urge each and every one of you uh, to watch it. It's on Facebook Live. Visiting with uh, Curtis McDonald. Curtis, uh, I want to backtrack once again back to the HD because a lot of questions, a lot of times that I get is cost. How costly is it to switch from a regular signal to an HD signal? Well, switching from a regular signal to an HD signal, essentially what you're doing is you're taking all of your existing equipment and either giving it away or throwing it in the garbage because none of it, for the most part, none of it will be useful for HD. Um, so, so you're starting from scratch right off the top. Now, depending on the size of the track, if we're looking at a half-mile track, you're probably in you know, Canadian dollars in around the half-a-million-dollar mark. Maybe, maybe you can do it for a little bit less you know, if you, if you got smaller lenses and got away with the, you know, prosumer-type cameras. That, that would probably bring your number down. But a big chunk of the cost is, is in your lenses. Once again, visiting with Curtis McDonald. Curtis, what do you think's down the road? Like right now, we're currently pretty much everything is in HD. What, what do you think as far as this technology goes? What do you think the next step is? Uh, in terms of, of uh, technology for people that maybe watch sports or racing or whatever? You know, in, it, I attend a lot of broadcast conferences throughout the year. Again, obviously not this year, but uh, most years I do. And the big thing is 4K. Everybody's moving to 4K. I don't know if horse racing per se will be moving to 4K anytime soon. Um, you know, the big time. Now, let, me, now, let, me, now, let me, Curtis, let me interrupt you. What's for people that don't know, what's the difference between HD and 4k? The difference is 4k is four times the resolution of HD. So, uh, but the problem is four times the resolution, you need four times the bandwidth to get that signal around. So if mm-hmm. you're looking to distribute right now, 
very few tracks actually distribute their signal in, in HD. They they produce in-house in HD and they send their signal throughout their facility in HD, but as soon as it hits the uplink, it's actually SD. And that's a cost measure. Roberts charges a lot to uplink in HD and and not as much to do in SD. So tracks look at it and say, you know what, we'll send out our HD quality product in SD because overall the picture quality is much better just do it producing in HD. So uh, there's a cost savings there for, for the SD, but um, a, a lot of tracks are moving to the online distribution as well. So Western Fair did it this year uh, where they, they put out their signal on YouTube Live for everybody to watch on their uh, phones or computers or smart TVs or whatever. And Grand River Raceway is going to start doing the same this summer as well. Curtis, before we let you go, uh, why don't you give Coast of TV a plug? When and where can it be watched? It can be watched Wednesdays and Sundays at 7.30. Very good. And that's a live show. So that's that's, yep. that's great. And uh, and it, it, how how much how much time would you say goes into putting into putting into a, a show like that? Um, it depends on on who the guests are. Last night we had Bill O'Donnell and Jim Lawson on to talk about where the where the industry's going and when when people can look forward to opening back up. So a, a show like that, we didn't have much content to show. It was more Jim and Bill talking. So that one didn't take as long, but a, a typical show probably takes me four, four-ish hours to, to prepare. So Greg, Greg and I, we get together, we get the hosts or the, the guests, and then they, um, they come through and say, this is, these are the replays we want to look at. Then Greg and I organize the show from there, and then I download all the clips. Very, very good. Well, Curtis, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. It's uh, good to hear from from that part of the business because, you know, we usually talk horse racing and that, but I'll tell you, it's very important from a technical point of view that uh, we stamp our foot, uh, certainly into HD and, you know, hopefully soon to be in 4K. We certainly appreciate you, Curtis, and uh, we'll check up with you real soon. Okay. Have a good day. All right. That was Curtis McDonald and – Mike, that that's some real interesting stuff to me. We're always yeah, been real interested in the technology and and how we present our product because, I mean, obviously it's very very important. It is important, but it's way above my pay grade. Uh, some of that stuff he was talking about about lens size and cables and things like that. There's a lot that goes into it, and it is not cheap by any sense of the word. Not cheap at all. No, and 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 that's why I asked the cost because I get that question quite a bit, and it's interesting because if you if you're broadcasting in a standard standard definition a racetrack, and you have to get all new cables, all new cameras, uh, and yep. then of course the uplink uh, charge if you want to uh, transmit to you know simulcast sites and uh, in HD a half a million bucks. That's a big chunk of change. A well, big, pocket big change for change. you, but for the rest of us, it's a lot. Whatever. Get out of here. <laughs> you would pay – you'd just pay that in cash, wouldn't you? You'd walk yeah, in oh, here, yeah. 500000 exactly you've got that kind of money sitting around. It's under the it's under the Mike Carter mattress, let me tell you. Yeah, it's under my mattress, all right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Keep dreaming there, buddy. All right. <laughs> Still lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Coming up, Ashley Tietrich. She is the newest USTA director. And we're going to uh, talk about that responsibility with her and more coming up 
on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Winback Farm of Ontario is proud to welcome four exciting new stallions for 2020. Jamie Freight, the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Dayton Pacing Derby at Mohawk Gold Cup. Nick Wicked, the 2018 Horse of the Year in U.S. and Canada, the richest pacing stallion in harness racing history. Stag Party is the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Metro Pace. And the Bank, son of two millionaires, Donato Hanover and Lantern Kronos, and a Breeders' Crown and Stanley Dancer champion. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Ashley Tietrick is in the on-deck circle. Uh, we'll be talking with her about becoming the new USTA director of the United States uh, Trotting Association. But before we get to her, Mike, uh, I want to kind of talk for a quick second. Uh, Tim Bojarski just releasing some information from the Massachusetts Gaming Commission meeting. The meet at Plain Ridge Park. Uh, which was scheduled to begin on June 1st, uh, apparently has been postponed indefinitely. Uh, so some interesting news coming out of the state of Massachusetts. Again, Tim Bojarski reporting that the Massachusetts Gaming Commission uh, has voted unanimously to postpone the start of the Plain Ridge Park meet. So interesting, uh, interesting news coming out of um, coming out of Massachusetts. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's really going to depend. I think when racing does start up, it's going to depend, you know, on, in certain areas because it seems like with this reopening phase now of our economy, um, you know, it's obviously the counties and the areas where the outbreak isn't as severe are going to open up first, and where the outbreak is more severe, uh, where the curve is just starting to flatten, it's obviously going to take a bit more time, but we'll get there. I promise you we'll get there. Right, right. All right, let's bring in Ashley Tietrich now. And Ashley, uh, some big news coming from the harness racing world this week as you were named the next USTA director to take over the spot of the late John Brennan, who was a really good friend of yours. And obviously that's got to be a huge, uh, huge honor for you. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's it's a, a absolute honor, you know, to jump on the USTA board to represent District 12. But it's incredibly bittersweet. Um, you know, nobody nobody will fill John's shoes, but uh, I'm going to take a swing at it. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously being a USDA director obviously comes with a lot of uh, responsibilities. But, you know, Ashley, I mean, you're a former innovator of the year here, uh, right here on this very show, post-time with Mike and Mike is voted. So I know you have a lot of different ideas uh, that, you know, a lot of different takes that you want to bring to the sport of harness racing. Tell us about some of those ideas that you have that you think can improve the sport. Yeah, you know, I'm a marketer by nature. Um, I graduated from Purdue University with a marketing degree, and I live kind of – I'm the kind of girl that doesn't fast-forward commercials because I like to see the way people think and the way that people sell things. And, um, you know, I, I think it's – nobody ever jumps on a board with expectations to, you know, light the world on fire and change the world. But I'm interested in getting in there kind of, you know, metabolizing the framework of how this works and how they've made it move forward. And then, of course, like I said, marketing is my world. So I'd love to be possibly somebody that can get in there and maybe fine-tooth comb things. Um, As far as changes are made, that will really depend on what's going on as of now. But I'm a really big person, in I believe, in human interest stories. I think that's really the key that makes everything go round. I mean, I'm not really a sports fan, but I catch myself watching ESPN every day. Kind of, I love the human interest story. So I think that's a a really big thing that I would like to push forward with. Um, Of course, when I say human interest stories, I also mean equine interest stories because our athletes are really our, those are our our athletes. But uh, I love the stories from the bottom to the top. I love the, market share $17,000 yearling sales stories and the freaky feet peak stories. I mean, I live for that. And I'm pretty sure that that's what a lot of people live for as well. Yeah, actually, uh, obviously a lot going on with uh, the coronavirus and racing currently being shut down from a marketing angle. Uh, this could be harness racing's uh, kind of reinvigoration process uh, when we kind of rebuild this thing and get things re-rolling. Listen, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, um, I spoke to TC Lane earlier this week, and, um, you know, they had mentioned that they're working a little bit with the crisis management firm. And I really think that, that is, this is the time. This is the time to go back and educate our public on uh, all the great things that have happened, revamp, you know, talk about some of the – if you prepare a lot of these people – I, I guess somebody in college, I remember somebody had mentioned, like, you know, you have to go, when you have a business that's struggling, you have to go to the Vince Lombardi roots of it. You have to teach people how to watch football. So we have to teach people how to watch racing. We have to teach them how to understand breeding and and understand sires and understand dams and you know, that's an education tool that we could really be doing during this time. And, and I'm a firm believer in that. And, you know, now is the time to do it because these are the times that you guys aren't on the road running like crazy. Um, that's where our focus should be next. 
visiting with Ashley Dietrich. And uh, Ashley, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that com- in comparison to some other sports, like maybe baseball or football or hockey, which is highly dependent on a lot of fans uh, at the actual stadium where harness racing, you know, you can bet online. As a matter of fact, the majority of the handle comes from online. A majority of the, uh, of the handle comes from off-track locations. Um, so do you believe that harness racing could be in a position to step forward first and get the jump on a lot of sports, which means basically we'll have more eyes on our product? I, I can't imagine it not being able to work that way. You know, I first and foremost commend a lot of the commissions, a lot of the um, SB, the, the Santa Barbara Breeders organizations. You, a lot of the horsemen may not realize the time and energy that these guys are putting into risk management prototypes for each track. Uh, and once we can get rolling safely and soundly, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, you mentioned hockey and uh, from a Midwest girl who has no family hockey experience or passion at all, I never knew a darn thing about hockey until the Mighty Ducks came. You know, it takes the Mighty Ducks movie changed the United States framework of understanding the sport of hockey and loving the sport of hockey. We, I, I don't have the answer to what our uh, – keynote change would be i don't know what that would be exactly but that it takes one motion for people to say whoa and start paying attention to our sport and i hope i can be a part of that and if i can't be a part of it i hope to inspire someone that can't be a part of it now actually uh obviously uh you and john brennan were uh good friends and uh i'll tell you i miss john uh every day uh he was the one who helped me get to the roof at yonkers and helped me you know shoot video from certain places uh, you know we all miss john brennan but uh what is it like to kind of step into that role that he had um you know obviously you had a close personal relationship with john and uh that like i said that has to mean a ton to you as well from a personal standpoint it does. And uh, I have to be honest, for many years, I said, I will never be a USDA director. I just won't do it, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, I know how tough, it doesn't matter what board you're on. I know how difficult boards can be. And, and, you know, a lot of people from the outside looking in always say they don't get anything done. And it's not just USTA board. It's many, many board of directors. Um, and, John was the one that really told me, you just have to go out there and speak your truth. You know, you don't, you're not out there fighting, speaking for your truth as a horseman, as a booster, as a person that loves the sport. And when he passed, man, it was clear as day. This is what I need to do. Uh, it will be an honor. It's a little scary to fill his shoes because you guys know John. <laughs> But uh, it, it's an honor to try. Um, you know, uh, he uh, he was a very big assistant for me when um, uh, stepped into the. Uh, I, I went to the board meetings a few years ago because I really wasn't loving where our marketing was, and we were spending a lot of money um, as a as an organization. And I I, I went there because I. I felt like as a member that has marketing background, I had a fiduciary responsibility to say, hey, I don't think this is right. I'm throwing out the red flag. 
And uh, John, I had a lot of a lot of board board members tell me you ought to sit down. You don't know what. And John said right behind me said, "Listen, I don't know anything about this, but if you think what you're saying is right and you've done your homework, then I support you." And uh, I appreciated that, and and I don't think I was wrong. Uh, and I was that and it gave me a really big step to move forward. Um, I hope that I'm well received, and uh, you know I intend to work hard. So I think we're ready for this. All right. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, I know those are big shoes to fill, but I'll tell you what, I can't think of anybody better to fill them, and uh, we certainly wish you the best of luck. And real quick, before we let you go, uh, how's everything going in the lockdown? I I know we had Timmy on the show a couple weeks ago. I know he's chomping up a bit, so uh, (laughs) how are things with uh, with the lockdown? How are you guys kind of coping with the whole shutdown? You know, we, we're doing, we're doing okay. Um, We are, uh, we're taking this very seriously. You know, we've lost, of course, a lot of friends and we, we know this is no joke. He, he's losing it. I mean, he is to the point where he pulled our, our manure spreader apart and painted it the other day. (laughs) So uh, he, he's ready. Um, I don't know where Rayson will open first, but. I think it doesn't matter. He'll he'll try to get there. But uh, other than that, we're doing good. You know, we are looking forward to getting back to some kind of normal. But I applaud the track for this right. So that's not the need. All right. Well, Ashley, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck in your new USDA director role. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And uh, thanks, guys, for having me on the show. All right, that was Ashley Dietrich. She is uh, an innovator of the year and in our post time with Mike and Mike Awards. And, uh, yeah, it's, you could tell in her voice, Mike, it certainly means a lot to her to step into, uh, you know, a role that she probably wished she didn't have to step in. Exactly. And like, you know, like she said, you know, it's an interesting role and it's one of those roles that, you know, like you're not just going to walk in and just, you know, you know, change the entire world, but gradually – those free-thinking ideas and those young ideas can help kind of shape where we go in the future. Certainly, and she takes it from a different point of view as a marketer. And like she said, you know, she actually watches commercials, listens to commercials to kind of, you know, while we fast-forward through them, she actually watches them to kind of, you know, just to see how different companies promote themselves. And and uh, right. it's certainly going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, what kind of uh, – what, what she'll be able to do for the USDA. We're going to wrap this thing up. Yeah, post time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. All right. Thanks so much for taking time out to join Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. We hope to be back uh, next week at First Post of 10:30. Thanks so much for listening to the next time.